What a riches of the word today. Of all the three years of readings we have in our, in our lectionary, I don't know of any that come out better than this. An Old Testament lesson, an epistle, and a gospel that are all absolutely uh, wonderful. I, I love all three of them. I've always loved the, the little text, the little story from, from Numbers about the people in the wilderness. What a good story. These people, God had just delivered them from slavery. Moses just led them out of Egypt, out of slavery. Think of that. And they hadn't gone very far. And what are they doing but complaining? I like to say they were grinching, grinching, grinching along the way. Why did you bring us on this long journey? There's no water. This food is terrible. Food, manna from heaven, terrible. But that's what they said. So God disciplined them a, a little. He sent fiery serpents into their midst, poisonous serpents. And the people who were bit died. Died. And it wasn't long before they saw the connection between their sniping and the poisonous snakes. And they went to Moses and they said, we're wrong, we've done wrong. Please, please intercede with God and, and uh, take the snakes away. So Moses prayed to God and God told him, as you heard a minute ago, make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. Diane made one uh, several years ago. We have it somewhere stashed away. It was in our basement when we still had a basement. Yeah. Make a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and if someone is bit by a poisonous snake, they can look at that serpent and they'll be healed. <laughs> what a wonderful story. First of God's grace, of God's grace. God sends healing to this people. God heals them for their, their own sin and failure, huh? But it's so much more than that. You know, I, I, first of all, I, I like it because, did you see the connection between kind of sniping and, and, and complaining and poisonous snakes? Is, isn't that the way it is? It, it, complaining and nagging, it, it's, it's like venomous, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, that's just the way it is. <coughs> God sent the serpent on the pole and they could look through that and be healed, forgiven, healed. It's wonderful. But the thing that doesn't happen in this text, and that has always amazed me, is God doesn't take away the snakes. Did you notice that, too? The snakes remain. Because, as you should know, if you don't, sin has consequences. And even when we're forgiven, when, when we're totally forgiven, the consequences nearly always remain. That's the way it is. The consequences, you can be forgiven, and yet there are still consequences. If you don't pay your taxes, God will forgive you, but the government won't. <laughs> you have to pay them back with interest, and you may even go to jail if the, if the bill is big enough. If you cheat on your spouse, your spouse may forgive you, but that doesn't mean that trust will be restored immediately. It may take months or years for that to happen. All kinds of sins have consequences, and they don't just go away. That's what happens in this story. The snakes don't go away. They don't go away. Even though when people are bit, they can look to the bronze serpent and be healed. Because God would heal them. God would heal them. Now, in our gospel, wonderfully, 
St. John, it's unclear in this text where this John speaking or Jesus speaking, it doesn't really matter, it's God's word in the way, but, but says to us, just as Moses raised up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be raised up, that those who believe in him will have life. The story is really the same, just better. Jesus is raised up for us. And when we sin, when we fail, when, when there's shame or guilt in our lives, we can look to him, look to him, look to him. Look to him as the one who has come from God, who loves us, who loves you, who's laid down his life for you. And you are forgiven. I mean that. I, I, I say it to you now. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are accepted among his people. He loves you. Whatever the sin, whatever the failure, whatever it is that's venomous, that is causing you that kind of pain. He forgives. Sadly, just like what I said before, that doesn't mean there won't be consequences. There may well be consequences for, for our failures in life. And they can continue on. But you are loved. You are loved. Now, I want you to think for just a minute about, about those snake bites. If, if, if you were bit by a snake, if you were bit by a snake, well, after you jump away, what's the first thing you do? Well, you, you would look to see what it looks like. You would look for those. And if it starts turning red and the red grows and grows and grows, what? It would be scary. And probably you would keep looking at it. Because that's the way we do. Let me give you another, another example. If you hit your thumb with a hammer, well, first you throw the hammer across the room. That's what I would do. Then what's the next thing you do? You look at your thumb. When you sin or cause pain or someone else causes you pain, what do you do? You look at it. You dwell on it. If my wife does something nasty to me, I dwell on it. I hang on to it. You people wouldn't do that. But, but I do. I do. Yeah. I can dwell on it for days. Yeah. You see, she's not. <laughs> I'm supposed to do that. That wasn't part of it. No, no, you're not that way. Yes. You see, we, we tend to look at that pain. To look. Some people say, look inside yourself. I think that's the worst advice you ever get. Don't look inside yourself because that's the kind of stuff you see. <laughs> you see all the, all the pain, the hurt, the shame that you've been hoarding there. No, what, what this story tells us is not to look there, but to look there. There. Look at Jesus. Look to him. He's the one who says, in spite of all your pain, all your anger, your, your <coughs> sin, your sorrow, I still love you. Now, you may be in, in deep doo-doo, but I still love you. I love you very much. But keep looking at him. I'm reminded of that wonderful verse from, from uh, many of you know that the hymn, Abide With Me, uh, Henry Francis Light, Henry Francis Light. 
in the last verse of that, Light was dying of, uh, of tuberculosis. In fact, I think he died three weeks after he wrote that hymn. You know that? He wrote the hymn, and three weeks later he died. The last verse is, Hold thou, let me get it here. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom. Get that. Cross. Shine through the gloom. Shine through all this stuff that I'm hanging on to. Shine at me. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. That's just an illustration. Point me to the skies. Point me to Christ. Point me to God. Huh? Heaven's morning breaks and earth, earth's vain shadows flee. Earth's vain shadows. That's all that stuff that we gather around us. Earth's vain shadows. In life, in death, O oh Lord, abide with me. Abide with me. Abide with me in, in your cross, in your love. Be there for me. Always for me. Now, I, I want to say one more thing about this text, one or two more things. You know, I, we all love for God so loved the world. We love it. We learn it when we're this tall. We, most of us did, at least, memorize that text. And it's a wonderful text of God's. God so loved us, you and me, that he gave his only begotten son. But what I often have heard, when I was a little kid I heard it, and I've heard it again, that all those who believe, and all the emphasis then gets on that word believe. And so what's a wonderful gospel word turns into a demand. I've heard so many people say, but you've got to believe. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? Doesn't that make you feel good when somebody says, but you've got to believe? Well, that's not good news. No. Belief isn't, faith isn't like that. Faith is something other, it isn't something you do, it's something that happens to you. Like you see the cross and say, my goodness, he loves me. It happens. It happens to you. It's not, you don't grab a hold of your bootstraps and pull real hard. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. Faith comes when you hear that someone loves you and, and you're simply caught up in that, that love. That's the way it is. And that's the reason he goes on to say, he goes on to say those who believe in him, uh, he didn't come to condemn the world. Those who do not believe are condemned already. That's not a threat. It's, it's just true. It's just the way it is. Those who, who don't see his love simply live in their own stuff. Hmm? All that, that garbage that goes on inside. And then he says, this is the judgment that light has come into the world. That's that. What, 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 what does Henry Light say? Shine through the gloom. Point me through the sky. Heaven and morning break. Light has come into the world in Jesus. Light has come into the world. And when we're Hoarding all this stuff inside, what? We, we like to be in the darkness. We, we like to hoard it. We don't, want it to, we, we, we don't want to be exposed. But he says, those who do what is true come to the light. Now, there's a tendency here to think of that, well, if we're, if we're really perfect, if we really got it all together, we can come to the, That's not what he's saying. He's saying you can come to the light when you know the one that's in the light. When you know the light, you can come. You may not be perfect, but 
you are not perfect, okay, I got that. You're not perfect, you're broken in many ways. But you can come to the light. You don't have to hide this stuff. You can come to the light. Come, he's, he knows it already. He's forgiven it. Come to the light, that's what it's saying. Come to the light. And you know what, it says almost the same thing in, in the second lesson, which is wonderful. He says that phrase that you know well, uh, God's, it, uh, for it's by God's grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, but God's gift, so that you can't boast about it. God has made us what we are. He's, I love that phrase. God has made us what we are. You know, it doesn't say God has made us angels. Does it say that? No, God has made you who you are. That doesn't mean you're, you're, you're to be a jerk. I didn't mean that. But he's made you who you are. You're a broken human and you live in this world. Hmm? He's made you what you are. And it's what you are in union with Christ. He's created you for good deeds, which he's already prepared for you to do. He's already prepared. The, the, the path has been laid out. So it's, it's not saying that you have to be somebody else. Or, or when you finally get your act together, then you can do it, right? No! It's who you are right now. A beloved and forgiven sinner. A beloved and forgiven sinner. That's who you are. And you get on with it. He's got you in this program. He's got work for you to do. Not as someone who's perfect, but as someone who he's called to follow. And he will use you. He will use you. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever secrets you hold, well, you don't need to hold them anymore. He'll use you. Because he loves you. Just keep your eye on him. 